This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Bama Online Podcast. This one on Monday, April the 12th, 2021. Travis Ryer alongside fellow POL staffer Charlie Potter. Just a few days away from A-Day 2021. Feels good to say that again, especially after a very eventful weekend around the University of Alabama. You had the Crimson Tide on the football field with its second scrimmage of spring drills, beautiful weather, Charlie Potter around West central Alabama, I guess more so, I guess more so Saturday and Sunday, but, uh, people out and about man, busy, busy weekend in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. The weather was great. Um, you know, it's a shame that, you know, we didn't get to go and watch our five minutes of, of pre scrimmage <laughs> drills like we used to, and then go over to Ramajamas and waste some time. But, uh, no, it, it was great weather. Um, good to just to enjoy another weekend but yeah i mean it is fun to say like a day's coming up uh because you know last year when no spring football felt felt really odd just because it's you know it, it's so customary it's ingrained in you know your your calendar and uh, to not have it last year was weird but to, to get back into brian denny and heck to see potentially a, a bigger crowd than than what we saw last year i don't know if the the tickets have sold out but you know, about half of the, the capacity field. It, it'll be nice to get back in there and just see some football. Yeah, I guess if there's even, what, 30,000 or 35,000, that'll exceed the capacity for last fall for SEC action, for crying out loud. So that'll be interesting. You're going to have a busy weekend on the Diamonds, by the way, also in Tuscaloosa, and a couple teams coming off excellent weekends in their own right, Charlie. Alabama softball goes out to Fayetteville, takes two of three from First place, Arkansas in SEC action. And the Alabama baseball team, you talk about a team that needed just a series win, but to go on the road to Texas A&M and get a sweep, that really changes the narrative for this team, which was struggling mightily before that trip out to take on the Aggies. Yeah, the baseball team needed that. Uh, I think it's its first road series sweep since 2017, so quite the accomplishment there. I know uh, A&M struggling a little bit too, but it's just a real confidence booster, I think, for this team. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can get some injured guys back. You know, still kind of on Connor Prelip watch for, for him to come back. That would be huge for Friday night, even though Tyler Ross has really played admirably in his absence. But uh, I think to get those wins with the team that was, you know, kind of struggling a bit, that, that's huge for the Alabama baseball team. Yeah, Antoine Jean back in that rotation on Sunday and really was all about Canada, I guess, in that third game in uh, College Station. Owen Diodati with the three-run bomb late 
to secure that sweep and John returning to the rotation, pitching, defense, uh, really a pretty total effort, as good as we've seen, I'd say, for sure, in SEC play, uh, keeping walks to a, a decent number from a pitching perspective. I think they had just one error for the three games defensively, and then the Stars came out, delivered in some big spots. Peyton Wilson, uh, John Parker's younger brother, just – having an all SEC kind of season. I think he leads the SEC in hits right now. So at the top of the order, he's been great. Prater need to get a few other guys going with the bats a little bit. Denton's been good. Um, so we'll see, you know, get Auburn in here. Talk about a crazy stat. Auburn one and 11 through 12 SEC games, Charlie. Uh, so you get the tigers in here on, I think that's a Thursday to Saturday series, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, they didn't do that for Easter weekend, but that's the way how it shakes out this weekend. But crazy Saturday will be a, a good time in town for for fans to come to Tuscaloosa for sure. You're gonna be able to do a little bit of everything. You're gonna have Alabama softball taking on Florida in a huge series over at the Rhodes House too, by the way. So uh, Gators and Tide on the softball diamond Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Alabama Auburn on the baseball field Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Of course, the main event a day. And we want to get into some Alabama football talk. We'll talk some Alabama hoops a little bit later in the podcast as well, because that's certainly a fascinating roster to keep an eye on these days under Nate Oates. Ever-changing roster, it seems like, for Alabama men's hoops. Nate doesn't leave any rock unturned, and we'll talk about some of that as well. But, Charlie, I want to start with football primarily today with you. And we're through two scrimmages. I know you've dropped some nuggets and some observations, some info that you've been able to glean from the latest scrimmage and want to start on the defensive side of the ball because, well, that's where most of the production, most of the experience for this football team returns. And up front, it's going to be interesting, right, to see the which of these guys sort of emerge in terms of star power, but collectively uh, five, six guys deep, all right, that you can feel good about, it seems like. Yeah, the defensive line is is deep. Um, you know, up front they've got some experience with uh, Justin Boyby and Byron Young and, and DJ Dale. All those guys are now entering their third year in the programs. They played a lot these past two years, and um, you know, with Brian Ray is getting close to 100. percent You know, Nick Saban talked about him after the scrimmage and the fact that you know they've kind of let him feel his way out, and if he you know feels the need or um, to to pull the reins back or take a break, you know, they've let him do that, but he hasn't asked for that. You know, he hasn't you know, said he has had any soreness. And, um, you could tell when we talked to LeBron earlier in the week that you know, he didn't really want to talk about the elbow that much. So that's, that's a sign of, of good things. You know, he's a guy that's been around forever now. You know, he's entering his fifth year and when he's healthy, he can be a very productive lineman. And you look at guys like Tim Smith and that second team defense, um, uh, you got uh, Jamarian Latham is doing some nice things this spring. Jamil Burrows, uh, Stephon Wynn. So that's eight guys right there. Um, I think they feel pretty good about. You know, you have some young guys that are coming in. A guy like Monkel Goodwine is on campus now. So the defensive line's deep. Um, and, you know, you just got to figure out that rotation because, you know, they're going to have plenty of help off the edge because. Uh, that first team defense, especially outside linebacker with, with Will Anderson and Chris uh, Allen, have just been almost unblockable this spring. It's the same thing that we heard last preseason. So if they can get some interior push, the defensive front could be really nasty this fall. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good group. There's no doubt about it. As we talked about here just a little bit, 
who is going to be that sort of dynamic playmaker? Who's going to be the guy that is eight plus sacks? Who's going to be 10 plus tackles for loss? And I, I get it with LeBron Ray. He's probably just tired of talking about injuries in general because that's been, unfortunately for him, the story of his Alabama career. So I, he can, can you can kind of get it where LeBron's concerned. Um, man, it's been one thing after another. You talk about the edge guys with Will Anderson and uh, Chris Frallen. Uh, number three guy, a third guy, because there's been some turnover there from a depth perspective. Is it King Wakuda? Uh, Drew Sanders, we saw a good bit of as a true freshman. You got a couple of other uh, guys that that redshirted last year: Q Robinson, Chris Braswell, uh, an early enrollee that's worth keeping an eye on, I would say, or two, and some more help on the way as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote this down before we started the podcast about the strengths and like the, the weaknesses through the spring, and I, I didn't even hesitate to write down outside linebacker. I mean, I already talked about. Will Anderson and Chris Allen and how dominant they've been, but there's some depth. I mean, King Makuta is a guy that all last off season uh, we talked about as a guy that could potentially be a starter opposite Chris Allen with guys like Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis moving on to the NFL. And it sounds like he's been right behind Chris Allen, just in terms of how the pecking order has been. And, um, you know, Drew Sanders, another year older, we saw him get some first team minutes last year. I think it, it, people forget that he and Will Anderson, were said to go through the spring last year and they didn't get to do that. So we heard from Will under earlier this spring and him talking about just the benefits of this and really learning the whole defense instead of his position. I think that's big for a lot of these young outside linebackers. So yeah, I think just with that, those four, I mean, Alabama's got, um, you know, a lot of promise, a lot of talent. I think Chris Braswell is kind of coming along a little bit. I've heard his name mentioned a couple of times. Uh, you know, Q Robbins is a guy that looks the part, so maybe he can take that next step. Uh, Keanu Coot, I uh, haven't heard much from him, but we've seen him in some practice highlights, and you know, he looks like a guy that, that can fit well uh, on that defense. So I think for me, outside linebacker is the, the deepest uh, position group for Alabama, and uh, it, it helps having those two guys up front that, just like I said, have been unblockable. Yeah, and then you get Dallas Turner in here in the summer just to add a five-star <laughs> to that mix. That's all you're going to do there at outside linebacker. Inside, um, we've heard from Nick Saban. Um, Jalen Moody, it sounds like, is really sort of springboarded from his role as a next guy in in 2020 where we saw some good things from him to being very comfortable in his own skin as a, as a first-team guy alongside uh, Christian Harris. But – uh, maybe some other guys there. Shane Lee, uh, it's easy, right? When a guy starts as a true freshman, maybe we don't see as much of in year two as we learn largely because of injury to forget about. But uh, how much is he in that mix, Charlie? And just depth in general, because you've added a couple of early enrollees there too. Yeah, I think um, inside linebacker is very interesting because we know what Christian Harris can be. I think he's a guy that could be really the alpha on defense. And, um, you know, Jalen Moody's done some really nice things this spring. And Nick Saban said he's taking advantage of his opportunity to start. And that's not really vernacular we hear from Nick Saban in the spring. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, it sounds like Shane Lee's done some really nice things. Uh, he's healthy, which he wasn't last year. Nick Saban revealed that earlier in the spring. Uh, I would say he's probably the number three guy right now. And then a guy like Demoy Kennedy uh, has been working with the twos. I know, um, you know, a couple of the the true freshmen have worked with the twos also. Um, and Deontay Lawson and uh, my 
Alabama just oh Ian Jackson. I think Ian Deontay Jackson, Lawson yeah. is probably the guy yeah. that's been working most with the twos. But uh, no, it's a it's a group that um, it, it looks good now. There's a little bit of inexperience. Of course, you're losing guys like Dylan Moses and um, Joshua McMillan. You have Ali Caho transferred to now UCLA. So you have some attrition there. But I think they feel pretty decent about the position group. And of course, you know we've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast and on BOL, just the possible addition of uh, Henry Toa Toa. I mean, that would be um, that would add some. <laughs> interesting competition uh, to that position group. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something to watch, but I think just from, you know, the, the top of the position this spring, they felt really good about what, about what Jalen Moody can bring to the table. We saw what he did against Arkansas stepping in for Christian Harris last year. I think he's a guy that if, if it played out, if it was just all chalked, what it is right now, I think they feel good about 42. They're at that wheel linebacker spot to, to start that uh, Miami game in September. April has been long circled in relation to that one-time transfer rule going into effect and how that could impact the situation with Henry Toa Toa and the University of Alabama. You wonder, though, if he doesn't end up at Alabama, how much would that have to do with Nick Saban, Pete Golding, that defensive staff feeling really, really good about Jalen Moody because even though he's technically a senior in classification, he could use that free year from 2020 and still be around uh, Charlie in, in 2022. So either way, as we know, because we like to do it ourselves here on the Bama Online Podcast and on the roundtable there, the premium message board at BOL. We like to connect dots, right? It's fun to connect some dots. So we'll see how that goes uh, with Henry Toa Toa the 15th coming up here quick, end of the week by my count. So uh, uh, we'll see how that plays out. As well, how about the secondary, Charlie? I mean, corner obviously a, a primary focal point with the one corner spot vacant right now. Patrick Sertan off to the National Football League. So many names that we've bandied about here on the podcast and elsewhere in terms of potential candidates. Sounds like one veteran in particular has done a pretty good job of staying up there with the first group. That doesn't mean there isn't competition for Jalen Armour Davis. Um, but but what has that sort of played out like here so far opposite Josh Joe? Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty consistent with Armour Davis there with the ones and, and good for him, honestly. You know, he's a guy that I remember noticing um, during his freshman season, uh, he was going through warmups before a game. And uh, then he came out in street clothes and with crutches. And so I asked Nick Saban about it, and he, he tore his ACL. So he missed that first year. And he's a guy that came in in that same class with Pastor Sertan and uh, Josh Job. And when, when that group came in, you know, when we saw um, you know, them in the meeting room, they were right there beside Nick Saban, like glued to his hip the entire time. And I think now it's an opportunity for Jalen Armour Davis. And in the spring, um, he's taking advantage of it. There's a lot of football left, though. Um, they're going to be adding some guys to the to the uh, roster in the summertime with guys like Kyrie Jackson, uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, you even have um, you know some safeties coming in. You never know how they can start their careers or what position. So um, I, I think that the competition is still there. So it's still TBD. But I think Jalen Armour Davis has done really well this spring, and he should be with the ones on Saturday in the A Day game. But I think that names to watch the second group has been Marcus Banks and the freshman Jaquincy McKinstry. Um, you know, Marcus Banks had a pretty good scrimmage on Saturday. He had two interceptions picking off 
both the, the quarterbacks. I believe the one that Paul Tyson threw was off a tip pass, but he also had a pick six, uh, one of, returning one of those interceptions for a touchdown. So, you know, he's a guy that, you know, we've mentioned before is maybe an under the radar candidate. I wouldn't sleep on Marcus Banks. And, you know, to see Kool Aid come in and, and be where he is in the pecking order says a lot. I think Nick Saban's been on him in, in a good way, just in terms of talking with him after reps and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they, they still have other guys like a Brandon Turnage. Uh, I know Jaquez Robinson has been working at the star with the twos. So and he's a guy at corner. Um, so they have, you know, other guys there. But I think right now, just with what they have in Tuscaloosa, Jalen Armour Davis is, is right there at the top. And then Marcus Banks and, and McKinstry are the ones to watch behind him. You talk about the star position and with Malachi Moore, essentially a non-factor this spring sounds like a lot of Brian Branch as you would think uh, there at the start and usually in the spring we don't see as much dime from the Alabama defense so not as much in terms of the money position which is of interest too because we've seen Brian Branch work a good bit there DeMarco Ellums has experience at the money go back a little bit Daniel Wright does as well uh, gosh I think even Jalen Armour Davis in the national championship game went over Ohio State because of uh, Jordan Battle's ejection in the first half. He was brought into that mix. What about it, though, right now in terms of sub-package roles? Is it is it pretty much Brian Branch first and foremost there at the at the nickel? Yeah, it has been. That's been consistent all spring with Malachi Moore uh, out. And um, yeah, that's a, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out because, remember, last preseason, Brian Branch was the name that we heard uh, before Malachi Moore. And I think he maybe had a little bit of a setback and um, you know, wasn't able to, to play for a few practices, and then that really opened the door for Malachi Moore to step in, and he didn't relinquish that, that first-team star role the rest of the year. But um, I think Brian Branch is going to be in the secondary in some capacity. Um, I think they like him there in the slot, which, of course, you know that's what the, the money position is too. But um, you know they, they have some, some options with the, with the money spot. I haven't really heard much about Dime, like you said. Uh, this spring and, and that's not all that surprising but um brands can play it um Hellebs can play it uh daniel wright can play it but they have multiple guys uh, that can do it so uh, i don't think they're, they're that worried about it in that regard but yeah brian branch i'll be fascinated to see him play this spring and really see how that that fifth defensive back role plays out this fall yeah you get a healthy malachi Moore back that answers i think a lot of your questions there in your sub packages because we know he was really, really good uh, in that start position as a true freshman. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, we'll shift focus to the offensive side of the ball, and we'll get into some Alabama men's hoops, as there was some news on this Monday afternoon in relation to Alabama's still developing, I guess we could say, roster for 2020. And 20, excuse me, it's guy. It's already got to flip the count. I got to flip the script. I got to <laughs> flip the calendar, Charlie. I don't like doing that at my age. I like to keep the years where they're at. 2021, 2022 roster is concerned. We'll do that more when the Bama online podcast returns right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Back with more of the Bama Online podcast, Travis Schreier. Joined by Charlie Potter, your two favorite BOL <laughs> staff members. There's no doubt about that, right, Charlie? I mean, we're the we're the two guys. I would say. I don't know. I think I think Tim Watts might have us beat by just a little bit. I think Tim might have us. Well, you, when you look on the message board and you see the, um, I would say they're pretty frequent. The appreciation posts they're usually about recruiting, so I don't I don't know about favorites. <laughs> but Hank uh, is Hank is right there with yeah, him if he's not at the very top. Like, when I say and recruiting, he should I mean, be. it's it's Hank. And oh yeah, him. and I, yeah. I get. I mean, like for me, um, I know that people gravitate toward 24 seven sports because of recruiting. I understand that wholeheartedly. I like to think though that once they get there, then they're like, Oh, they have TR and Charlie and Kirk. And this is, yeah. this is gravy. Like I don't need to go anywhere else. So that's the way I view it. Like I get that recruiting, uh, is big, uh, for our company. I understand that. Sure. And I respect it. Um, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully some of you out there think that the me and Travis are your favorites. Yeah, come for Hank and Tim and stay for Charlie, TR, and Kirk as well. I mean, you got a legend. you got a living legend on the website on a daily basis in Kirk McNair. No one has been around, seen more, heard more when it comes to Alabama athletics than Kirk McNair. Hey, let's talk some Alabama offense, and we'll get into some hoops coming up here as we wind down the podcast. Some interesting news on Wednesday, uh, Monday, excuse me. In regard to the Crimson Tide and on the recruiting front and in terms of the existing roster. But this Alabama offensive line, Charlie, uh, it entered spring drills with a notable absence there on the interior of the offensive line. You're already trying to fulfill, uh, fill some shoes of some some big time players from uh, the previous season. And so you get some news from Saturday scrimmage that a couple of more guys go down. Uh, your level of concern right now with this offensive line, is it moderate? Is it high? Is it everybody take a chill? It's only sort of mid-April, and none of these injuries that we're talking about are the kind that will threaten the start of the season. Where are you at on this with this offensive line? Yeah, I think it's obviously still a work in progress, but I don't think there's reason to panic yet. Uh, like you said, I mean, they started drills without – Emil Echior, uh, who was a starter all last season, who's going to be a starter this fall. And also Pierce Quick, who I think could be a guy that could be competing or maybe even stepping in for Emil Echior at one of those guard spots. So they were already down two linemen uh, when the uh, when spring practice started, and that's not including guys like Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood, Deontay Brown that, that left for the draft. And then, like you said, um, you know, during Saturday's scrimmage, it sounds like Evan Neal left with the injury, and then Javian Cohen's dealing with uh, a bone spur. Um, I don't think either one are very significant to my understanding. You know, Nick Saban didn't really reveal a lot of details about uh, Evan Neal, but with JV and Cohen, he's, he made it sound like he could practice Tuesday when they get back on the practice field. So that's good news. So it's right now that first team offensive line and maybe what we could see Saturday. I, I don't know. I, I don't know when we'll see Evan Neal back again. I don't think it's very serious in terms of what he left that scrimmage with, but you know, it's a, uh, 
It's a patched up offensive line because at the end of the scrimmage from left to right, it looked like Tommy Brockermeyer, the true freshman at left tackle. He's been the, the second team um, you know, left tackle for about the last week or so. You have Tommy Brown at left guard, Chris Owens at center, and then Damian George stepped in for JV and Cohen at right guard. Mm-hmm. George had been kind of splitting reps at right tackle with the ones, and then Kendall Randolph was the right tackle. So, you know, it's it's patched up. It's it's a, kind of a hodgepodge of guys. But, again, it's it's because they're not doing this because players are struggling. They're doing this because players aren't available. So that's the good news. And, again, it doesn't sound like – you know, what these guys are dealing with is significant, but, um, you know, the offensive line is, you know, it's, it's taking its lumps. I think too, they have a lot of young guys that are learning a lot right now because not only are they being thrown Alabama's playbook, but Alabama uses the spring to learn some things about opponents. So it's just information overload for guys going through their first college practices. And, you know, Nick Saban said it best. Some of these guys, their, their heads are probably swimming. So, uh, again, I, I think it's just, you know, it's not time to panic. A lot of these guys are still learning, and you know, this isn't going to be the offensive line that we see against Miami come September 4th. Yeah, you some of these offensive linemen, you don't like to see your teammates go down with injury, but on the other side of that is you don't have to work against the ones with the twos when you get pushed up to the ones. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Although, when we talked about the depth at outside linebacker, and on that defensive line, it's not like you're getting a huge break, I wouldn't think, going up there to the ones. But, uh, yeah, that will be very fascinating to watch on A-Day, kind of how I, this offensive line gets together. I do think, though, if you're Tommy Brockermeyer going from second-team left tackle to first-team left tackle, you probably you think you're lucky stars when you get back to your oh, apartment and think, thank God I don't have to block four. No 31 today. Or yeah. four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a good day. That would be a good day. Uh, wide receivers and tight ends, another area, wide receiver, where you've got a guy out in John Mechie. That's opened the door for some some guys both experienced in the program and not so much when you talk about the first and second year wide receivers that are in that mix. Sounds like Javon Baker is a name that has become more and more prevalent in some of these uh, post-scrimmage, post-practice sort of buzz uh, talk that you get and you know, you know what Slade Bolden's going to give you there. Xavier Williams, another veteran there. Um, tight end. I, I'm sure the hope was that Cameron Latou would take that next step because they need a guy. And uh, by all accounts, that sounds like that's happened too there at tight end, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, starting with the tight ends, I think Latou's been a name that uh, has generated a lot of buzz this spring, and and he really started to do that um, in the preseason. Again, I think he might have had a little bit of a setback and. Of course, you had guys like Miller Forstall and, and Carl Tucker, and then we saw the emergence of Jaleel Billingsley. So with two out of three of those guys gone, now it's a, a prime opportunity for A1. And I think he and Billingsley have, have really been a, a solid you know, one-two punch at that position. And it sounds like Bill O'Brien has really targeted the, the tight ends. I think Watsu had a couple of touchdowns in Saturday's uh, scrimmage. Or, I mean, he had he had one. He had a couple uh, in the first scrimmage, but he caught one from from Bryce Young this past weekend. And uh, the receivers, I mean, yeah, John Mechie is out, and I think that you know that's that's not ideal because he is kind of taking on more of a responsibility. But we know what John Mechie can do. I think it's big for these young guys to continue to get these reps and these opportunities and practice. And in these scrimmages, because guys like Javon Baker have kind of emerged a little bit. I still think he has a ways to go, 
But I would expect five to probably be in the lineup uh, this fall if he continues on the trajectory he's on. Um, you know, Slade Bolden's been there in the slot. You know, both of those guys have been with the first team offense along with you know Treshawn Holden and and some Xavier Williams uh, sprinkled in there. And you know, the twos is you know it's, it's a lot of freshmen. It's Thayer Jones Bell who's you know in his second year didn't go through spring last year. Only played in a couple of games. Um, Joshua Lanier, who's a, a veteran walk-on, that I think you know, if if some of these young guys take a little bit to develop, he could be a guy that's maybe in the rotation or at least a, a reserve because he's done some nice things this spring. But you know, the the young guys, you know, Jai Hall, uh, Jacory Brooks, Christian Leary, they still need some time, uh, but they have it in front of them. It's only in the spring, so receiver and an offensive lineman, it's it's definitely uh, an unfinished product. But again, they have. Of the summer preseason camp before they start playing actual games. At running back, it sounds like Roydell Williams offered up a little simple minds to the fan base. In other words, don't you forget about me. Now, I'm going in the <laughs> way back machine for that one, Charlie, and that is obviously a bad dad joke, but you get the point. Um, really positive scrimmage by all accounts for the second year running back at a spot where We've heard a lot of names, some different names to this point. We hadn't heard as much about Roy Dell, but uh, impressive, it sounds like, on, on, on scrimmage number two. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at position groups, um, I think running back's probably the offensive, offensive equivalent of outside linebacker because, yes, you do lose Najee Harris, but you get Brian Robinson back at the, the top of that position group. You get Keelan Robinson back in the fold. Um, you know Trey Sanders is is you know recovering and able to do some stuff in practice, even though he's not going through scrimmages. And then you know Jace McClellan, who kind of been the number two back for most of the spring um, after a promising freshman year. And you just hear those names, and you're like, well, that's a stacked running back group. But you know, going through the spring, you almost forget about a guy like Roy Dale, and to hear him perform like he did on Saturday. Um, you know, I don't know if it's because guys are nicked up or, or what, but he saw some work with the ones and you know, he, he did some nice things. Um, you know, by all accounts, the people I talked to that were at the scrimmage and, and everything like that, um, you know, he was probably the, the individual star, not named, you know, Will Anderson or Chris Allen. And, uh, you know, he rushed for over 100 yards, you know, scored a touchdown. You know, Nick Saban even mentioned that he had the most rushing yards. And again, that you have to take into account who he's facing the situation and things like that. But still, you know, going against an Alabama defense, whether first or second team and rushing for a hundred yards is an accomplishment. I mean, it's listed in the, the damn game notes that Alabama puts out of the opposing running backs that do it because it's so few and far between. So I think that's good for the depth to see him have that performance because again, all spring long, we've been talking about other guys and it's like, Oh yeah, they got that kid from Hueytown. who's pretty good too. Yeah. You know, who really loves it. Rob Gillespie as a position coach, because you kind of develop this noise, this narrative, and it's more so outside the program that, well, here's the pecking order. This is the way it's going to be. And some of that can permeate even your room. But then when you have a guy that, again, in terms of perception might be fourth, fifth on the list, and then he has a performance like that, that puts a charge in everybody, gives him some confidence. But also lets everybody else in the room know, look, we can go down this thing. We can go down this group. You know, we can get a guy that can go for a buck against a lot of teams on our 2021 schedule. Uh, quarterback, obviously, uh, saved the best for last, right? <laughs> Although it might be that what we anticipated being home to a lot of intrigue 
it really hasn't played out that way, does it sound like, Charlie, with Bryce Young, by all accounts, having a really good spring. Uh, Paul Tyson in that number two spot. But then there was some positive buzz about Jalen Milrow coming out of scrimmage number two as well. Yeah, I mean, Bryce has been wire to wire the, the first team quarterback. And I think it's it's very much solidified right now that he's one, Paul Tyson's two, and, and Jalen Milrow's three. And uh, for Milrow, before getting into Bryce Young, I don't think he had a great scrimmage in um, you know the first one uh, before Easter. So he saw he showed improvement from scrimmage one to scrimmage two, which is what you want to see. And I think you know Nick Saban uh, acknowledged that, which is good to hear for the young guy because um, you know a lot of the attentions on um, Bryce Young and then of course Paul Tyson gets a lot of questions and things like that. So for him to say that unsolicited shows that you know he he did what was necessary to improve from scrimmage one to scrimmage two, which is important for those young players. But for Young, um, you know Bryce is a guy that. Nick Saban's been complimentary of all spring. Um, you know, he he said he played well again in this scrimmage. Uh, you know, like I said, he threw uh, three touchdowns, one to to Latu, and I think uh, Billingsley caught another, and so did Javon Baker. You know, he had the pick to to Marcus Banks, but um, you know, it's been a solid performance all spring long, and this is his first spring. I think people forget that too. This is important for him. So um, the the thing that he has done a solid job of is managing the offense executing the offense but you know this past week um brian robinson talked about it and then nick saban mentioned it after scrimmage is he's starting to get more comfortable in being in command of the offense which is something that mac jones really didn't have a problem with even when he stepped in for tua you know his teammates had the confidence in him and it sounds like that's starting to come around for bryce young which is huge um, you know, I don't think anybody's really questioning his talent. Um, you know, he didn't really have a lot of opportunities last year, but we saw some exciting things from him just with his ability. But if he can go out there, find his voice and, and really be the man on the offensive side of the ball, that's huge for Alabama when it has to replace so many leaders vocally and uh, as examples on that side of the ball. So I think, yes, he has had two good scrimmages, but to hear both his teammates and Nick Saban Talk about how he's getting better and better at being in command. I think that's a huge development for Bryce Young. So are we looking at a potential scenario where more of the competition is for the two spot, Charlie? Maybe. Um, I I still think Paul Tyson has a a pretty firm uh, grip on it. Again, I mean, just like what we were talking about with, uh, you know, Tommy Brockermeyer being glad to to move up to the first team. uh, Paul Tyson's not had a, a good go of things against the twos and no, against the ones with the twos because that first team defense is just um, is, is just so dominant. And when when we've talked about that offensive line and how the first team is patched together, people just kind of forget. Oh, that means the second team is even more so patched together. So when you look at the twos at the end of the scrimmage, given to account the ones that left and then the guys from the twos that got bumped up. The offensive line for the second team was Amari Kite at left tackle, Terrence Ferguson at left guard, who's a true freshman, Darian Dalcourt at center, uh, Seth McLaughlin, who played a little bit last year as a true freshman, and then J.C. Latham, another true freshman. Um, so that's a, that's a young group, and, and they're having to block some, some real studs on the outside. So Paul Tyson's had to get rid of the ball quickly. I think he's done some nice things. It's just... Bryce has a little bit of easier go of things going against the twos and then Jalen Milrose going against the threes. So I still think that the Tyson's firmly in the number two spot. 
But I, I do think it'll be more intriguing just from a, a backup standpoint, because right now I think that Bryce Young has a, a pretty firm grip on that starter role. Yeah, and Paul being more of a pure pocket guy, this is a tough year for him to make a run when you look at the offensive line and what he needs to be effective, right? To allow him to really show off his strength as a quarterback. Whereas with Bryce, it's a pretty good year to be a guy that with your feet, you can make some plays and you can also elude the pass rush to a point where you can get the ball out. You're not as dependent, I guess, in in saying Bryce Young doesn't need the offensive line to be uh, good or, or, or ultra protective on a consistent basis, maybe as much as Paul Tyson. And, and, and for that reason, it would have been interesting, even if Mac Jones had come back. Whereas Mac is, I think, more than shown that, as he has said, I'm, I'm not a statue, uh, even during his during his pro day workouts. Um, you know, it, it still would have been an interesting scenario to consider because of the changes you're going through up front. Hey, some special teams talk before we get into some men's basketball talk with you, Charlie. Uh, boy, it sounds like Will Reichard is continuing with his accuracy, even in spring football. Uh, you got Charlie Scott back at punter. You're going to have a change at the long snapper position with Thomas Fletcher out of there. I'm a big fan, big fan. I'm biased when it comes to Gabe Pugh, one of the walk-on snappers. No Gabe a little bit. Uh, but then also the return game. You know, no Jalen Waddle, no Devontae Smith. Slade Bolden's done it a little bit. Uh, kickoffs to consider as well. Uh, still some spots up for grabs as we move through spring and even into fall camp. Yeah, I mean, uh, with Reichard, I mean, the, you know what you've got in Reichard. I think they, they feel pretty good about him. And uh, coming from you know this past scrimmage, it sounds like he was 5 for 5 on field goals. So, yeah, just continuing what he did last year and his perfect streak. And, um, you know, I think punter is, is maybe one of the more interesting ones for me just because I don't think we expected Charlie Scott to be back. I mean, he went through senior day festivities. Uh, he was a guy that transferred from Air Force. And, you know, I, I don't fully understand the rule because he is here again. But uh, it sounded like he was on basically a one-year loan. But you know, maybe they got an extension of that. So, you know, with him, he's been the, the first-team guy. And it sounds like he's knocking some rust off because he had uh, an injury um, to deal with after the season and didn't get to maybe train as much. But he's been the, the first-team punter. And, and Ty P. Ryan's done some good things, too. It sounds like in the scrimmage he had a couple of of bombs, but then, you know, he's been inconsistent and that's kind of, uh, maybe what would plagued him last year when we didn't really see him hardly at all. So, uh, the, the punter position I think is, is interesting. And yeah, I mean, I almost feel bad because I haven't even wrote anything about, uh, the long snappers. <laughs> I think we're, we're going to get a specialist here in this last day of player interviews on Tuesday. So I'll have to ask, I think it's Will Riker. So I'll ask him how that's going, but um, you know, Gabe Pugh, yeah, he's a guy that he, he traveled to a couple games, uh, last mm-hmm. year. So that says a lot. And I know they're, um, uh, they have Carter short, um, from Hoover his brother played baseball here that that's coming in. So he, that'd be added to the competition. And then from a return game standpoint, um, sounds like Keelan Robinson's been a guy that's been returning kickoffs, which I think it should excite a lot of people. I know you're probably juice, 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 and, Charlie. Uh, from a punt return standpoint, it's it's been kind of hard to get a read on it, really, because a lot of times in the scrimmage, those things aren't live. So, um, 
you know, you, you don't really get to see what a guy can do, and, and they won't be live in the A-Day game. But you know, Slade Bolden's done it in the past. Uh, it sounds like some of the defensive backs have maybe worked there. I know Quincy McKinstry's have been back there, so that might be something to watch moving forward. But you know, they have to, to replace a couple of uh, studs back there because not only did you lose Jalen Waddell early in the season, but then Devontae Smith stepped back there and we saw what he could do returning a punt for a touchdown in Arkansas so a lot of questions still I think but um you know just from a, a kicking standpoint the thing that you're usually worried the most about as an Alabama fan with it being place kicking I, I don't think you you have to lose much sleep over that one this fall how about that boy that'll slow down the sales of Tylenol PM in this state <laughs> if that's in fact the case with Will Reichard and what you also like too is that sort of the feeder positions into your coverage and return units you look at running back you look at linebacker you look at safety boy you got a lot of depth at mm-hmm. those positions right now so you ought to be in really good shape in terms of that aspect of your your special teams play as well charlie before we get out of here on this monday i want to talk some alabama men's hoops with you because we're coming off a big week in terms of talent acquisition a continuation of that for nate oates brian hodgson antoine petway that alabama men's basketball staff in general uh, charles bediaco the 611 post from img last week commits to alabama Namari Burnett, the transfer from Texas Tech, commits to Alabama. And then over the weekend, Noah Gurley, 6'8", forward from Furman, jumps on board with the Crimson Tide. And as we were recording this on Monday afternoon, we learned that Langston Wilson, who had previously signed with Alabama, junior college post player, announced via Twitter that he is going to request to be released from his National letter of intent, Charlie, and uh, reopen his recruitment. But I, I guess based on numbers, and you've outlined this so well for us there at BamaOnline.com, uh, this was an inevitability. You just kind of wondered where it was coming from. Yeah, you hate to see that. I mean, a guy, you know, asked for a release before he even gets on campus because he seemed like a, a guy that was uh, had bought into the NATO system and, and what they were preaching uh, coming from the junior college ranks. But when you saw Betty Ako and, and Burnett and then Gurley, who, you know, has similar, similar measurables to a guy like uh, Langston Wilson, um, it, it makes sense um, just because you would like to have, yes, some, some post players because you lose, Jordan Bruner, you lose Alex Reese, you lose Herbert Jones, uh, but you know adding two and, and Betty Ako and, and Gurley and getting Alex Chiku back, that that kind of replaces that. So it makes a lot of sense for a guy like Langston Wilson to request that, even though that kind of stinks uh, for him. But um, you know Alabama is trying to upgrade its roster, a uh, roster that last year did a lot of really really good things, and so. Um, I think Noah Gurley bringing him in could have a, a Jordan Bruner like impact just from a leadership standpoint because you need that. Uh, but as things sit right now with those three guys joining the mix last week and now Wilson uh, asking for a release, Alabama still won over the 13 player limit at 14. So you never know what can happen. Uh, this year so weird with just the the COVID-19 rules and regulations and things like that. But I think we'll start to see this roster, you know, pan out and, and see another guy either enter the portal or, or see something happen uh, in the coming days. But, you know, it's just like how 
I think Tim says it all the time with with Nick Saban. Um, you know, you never really worry about the numbers because they always seem to work themselves out in some way. Yeah, you hope for Langston it works out, and it will. I mean, he has some options available to him uh, a couple different ways. But, uh, you know, we've seen guys get releases from letters of intent at Alabama in the past, and it turned out swimmingly. Jared Butler comes to mind, the Baylor point guard <laughs> who recently won a national championship and was the MOP of the Final Four for the Baylor Bears. Hey, Charlie, I think that's just about going to do it, my man. You good? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Langston Wilson thing kind of happened early on. I don't know if you guys heard me typing, but um, it's, always, <laughs> it's always good to be recording oh. because we can hit the news, but then you can kind of pass it off to, to Hank or somebody else and, and make them do it. So job well done. Yeah, absolutely. Got to be on it at all times with Nate Oates, man. He doesn't, uh, he didn't let you rest much when it comes to the the roster there at Alabama. Well, Charlie, as always, appreciate the time. Always great stuff for us there at BamaOnline.com. We certainly appreciate you tuning in. And if you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online podcast? Free, simple as a couple clicks. Leave us a rating and a review while you're there, if you don't mind. We'd greatly appreciate that as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again real soon on the Bama Online Podcast.